This is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to our podcast, The Making and the Remaking of a Codependent Mind. This is episode five of season two. And we're calling it Loving a Codependent Mind. A large focus of this podcast has been explaining how my codependent behaviors were especially activated when I was in some kind of relationship with other disordered people, most notably narcissistic people. Something we also mentioned briefly here and there too, though, was how those behaviors were also there to some extent, even with people who weren't disordered. For one thing, without all the self-awareness and the healing that you've gone through, you were vulnerable at any moment to those behaviors becoming activated in a lot of different situations, even just day-to-day interactions with people from work or from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't even need to be in a full-on active relationship with a disordered person for these to be there. I just had to come in contact with one in some way. Um, my emotional capacity was easily diverted towards giving my power over to a, pretty much any person or situation that I somehow felt threatened by, thereby feeling this need to default back to those codependent behaviors. And these behaviors, like we talked about last episode, were so habitual that they didn't even necessarily need to be activated by a disordered person. You just had to feel like you were threatened in some way, even if you weren't. Yeah. Then you would quickly default to those behaviors because you thought you needed to protect yourself or you felt <laughs> it wasn't a conscious thought, but right. you'd have that feeling of needing to protect yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I had all these unexplored trauma triggers and, and the sources of shame combined with this deep rooted feeling of powerlessness that were kind of directing so many of my thoughts and behaviors. So even in a totally safe situation with an emotionally healthy person, those behaviors would still come up in different ways. And while these behaviors were extremely dangerous for you, in that it kept getting you stuck with abusive people who took advantage of those behaviors, um, these behaviors also kept you from fully engaging in honest, intimate ways with basically everyone. Mm -hmm. Building strong relationships with emotionally mature people strong lasting relationships yeah, was just kind of always a little bit out of reach mm -hmm. as long as all of that remained unhealed. Now that I've gone through this healing, I've been able to more fully connect to my sense of empathy for other people alongside this more complete sense of self, clear emotions, sense of the big picture of my life. It's become more and more clear just how damaging and hurtful those behaviors can actually be for other people. So we're going to flip the script here for this episode and give a perspective of what it's like to be on the receiving end of these behaviors, specifically your experience with me. Exactly. Um, and so a couple of qualifications before we talk about that experience. One, I was very lucky with my childhood. Mm -hmm. I wasn't on the receiving end of the types of behaviors that would cause fear and trauma and shame. Mm. My feelings were validated. I felt empowered and connected. Yeah, so all of these things that we talk about in the previous episodes, how that stuff got interrupted, like emotional development got interrupted for me. It didn't get interrupted for you. So you developed. Exactly. <laughs> I was well cared for. And I'm not just saying that because my parents are listening. <laughs> A second qualification I want to make up the top, and this is also very important, is that I'm going to be saying some negative things about you in our relationship uh -huh. but loving you has been one of the greatest joys of my life and people who engage in codependent behaviors who see themselves as codependent 
should understand that there are people out there that will love them mm-hmm. like I love you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank you. But let's go into <laughs> yeah, this stuff. the challenging part mm-hmm. of loving a codependent mind. Yeah. What would you say would be the biggest source of the challenges that you faced with these behaviors? I think it's a kind of cluster of behaviors that I would put under, and we've talked about this quite a bit, I've put under an overarching heading of Jekyll and Hyde behaviors. right. So this kind of sense of as we got deeper into the relationship and I started to fall in love, this difficulty in kind of reconciling these two parts of who you were Mm-hmm. We now kind of think of them, and we refer to them for a while as the authentic Brian and the codependent Brian. Yeah, right. But during that period when they would both emerge, and they were in some ways kind of polar opposites of each other, it was very confusing and disorienting. Yeah, right. Well, you know, it, it, it makes sense that it would be because it was for me too. And it really was like this kind of push-pull between two different sides. You know, there were parts of me that, that wanted to let my authentic side out and do things but then the other side of me said nope that that's causing you too much fear I, here do this instead so that would come about in situations for instance during that period jay had still had access to you right you were going through a protracted divorce uh-huh. and also she was not eager to give up on the resources that you were continuing to provide surprise surprise but we were also having conversations about that relationship and you would complain quite a bit about that relationship about her treatment of you during the marriage and also Mm -hmm. her treatment of you you know she was you know continuing the the threatening behavior you know she would do what it sounds like she did all the way through she would either be threatening you kind of legally or even physically or socially or she and then she would turn around and and kind of guilt you about you know how hard it was for her to, yeah, to right. know, hold a job, etc. Yeah. Um, so I would see that behavior directed at you, and then I would hear more what you were telling me, and we we would we were starting to have conversations about the kind of the reality of that relationship, and I was starting to use words like that's emotional abusive and and not a very good person, and and you would admit and yeah, and, you were kind of easing into the easing me into the the reality of the stuff almost like on hindsight, it seemed like you were being very careful not because it was I know you didn't know what was going on with me, and I didn't either, but it was clear that if you kind of sometimes went a little bit too far with reality, um, I would back off or I would do some kind of defensive posture or change the narrative or something. Yes. <laughs> That's true. And, and so one instance, we were having one of these conversations and, you know, you said, yeah, uh, Jay's a shitty person. Mm-hmm. I think you use those words. Yeah. And then later that day, or maybe exactly the next day, she calls you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hanging out. She calls you up, and I'm in the room. And you spend like 20 minutes or 30 minutes yeah. consoling her, yep. validating her. And you know, again, she's like, "Oh, it's so hard. I have a job. Right, and right. I have to support myself, etc." You're like, "Oh, you can do it." You know, you blah blah blah. And so it just kind of, it, it just. I mean, it felt like, well, someone's being lied to. <laughs> right, exactly, right. right. This doesn't line up at all. Yeah. with, is with it, the conversation we just he, had like yeah. half an hour ago. Right. right. Is he? Is he lying to me? Mm-hmm. Um, why? Is he lying to her? 
Right. Why? Right. Maybe you're right. getting divorced. You know, you're living separately. Like, you mm -hmm. know, there was... Mm -hmm. It seemed to be no reason if you really thought she was an abusive, terrible person right. that you would give her the time of day. So yeah, again, yeah. not understanding any of this. So there was there was that, that, that kind of confusion about what you were telling me yeah. and what could I take yeah. uh, as trustworthy information about who you were and what your past was. Mm -hmm. So that was a struggle. There was also this sense of that ex that example is one example, but there's there's others as well. Of you are a very caring and kind person, mm -hmm. but at, during that period, when the rubber hit the road, you would care for the person who was treating you the worst in any particular yeah, situation. Right, that would take away my attention. So it did yes. whatever was happening with us or you, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. you were going some, through some things also. Yeah, and. Yeah. My attention would just get diverted again yeah. and again towards caretaking this person, right. which was not actual real caretaking. You know, there was real caretaking that could have been done during those days being you. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's I'm doing this codependent caretaking of this person that was abusing me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was going through a very difficult period myself. Yeah. And as you say, the priority was often managing Jay. And yeah. in fact, mm -hmm. you would try to enlist me <laughs> yeah, right. in managing her behaviors and her reactions and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make sure that whatever could be done to make her comfortable and happy, you right. were still in that mode. Yeah. And also enlisting you to, to help me feel better that I initiated the divorce and breakup and everything too. Just like, to, mm -hmm. you, like I need you to tell me that I'm okay, that I was okay doing this and that, and that she was a bad person, oh, but don't go too far with that because then that's going to make me feel shame. And you know, it was, yeah, a, it was quite the dance. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And asking from emotional labor for me to help you yeah. manage this person that, you know, at this point we both agreed was <laughs> kind of a crabby person. Yeah. Now that we've gone through this process and, and I can recognize codependent behaviors in other people in my life, I can recognize that dynamic in some of my friendships as well. Yeah. Particularly one very close friend who, who, who struggles with codependent behaviors, a, a similar situation. He has people in his life who treat him badly mm -hmm. and, and have treated him badly and, and would treat other people in his life badly as well. But when it came down to those people or kind of healthy friendships those people seem to always get more time and attention and yeah. resources. Mm -hmm. So I think that's fair, probably fairly common yeah, with people I would think so. yeah. that struggle with codependent behaviors is that they're oriented, not again necessarily attracted to, but they're certainly yeah. oriented to the most, the person that can cause the most damage. Right. And so... When it's, it's not authentic caretaking too, like I said. So it's like, it looks like it and I'm using whatever life skills I have that mm -hmm. I've developed mm -hmm. to caretake this person, but I don't need to, I don't want to, and it's not authentic. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> trying to throw yourself on top of a bomb or something. Yeah, right. But unfortunately, it feels like, it felt like to me, and I think it feels like to other people as well, that that they're, take it, they're taking a back seat to, mm. this, to yep. this more important... Right, exactly. ...quote-unquote relationship or more important person. Well, and something I've learned throughout all of this, and, and is, is especially important to mention in this episode, is that... I've, over the course of this whole healing process, I remember in the earlier days going, well, I didn't mean to do this. Or I didn't mean to be dishonest or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that di somehow diminishes the responsibility or something. But really, it's the effect. It's, if I'm dishonest, I'm dishonest. It doesn't matter if I 
meant to be or not. Like it ultimately, it's still dishonesty. <laughs> and this isn't about kind of shame or blame. Right. This is about just describing what it feels like from mm-hmm. looking in. Right. On the kind of codependent situation, yeah. not understanding what was happening there, and and feeling kind of discounted or somewhat dismissed. Yeah. Or, or lied to. Right. Because it's so kind of com- confusing. And e- even knowing about the behaviors and learning about it, it still will be hurtful. I mean, it's still like, hey, okay. you know. So again, you would be telling me that I was the most important thing in your life. And then you get a phone call from someone who you, at this point, <laughs> say you don't even like. Yeah. And, I, and, I, I, and your attention is immediately diverted to that person. Right. I think possibly even at that time, this is a vague memory, but I might even said, I'm not even going to talk to this person anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to take her calls. Right, right. You know, but I'll just deal with her in email or something. But I here I was answering the phone and talking for a half hour. No, you'll be okay. So there was that. The, again, the confusion and the frustration about having you say one thing and then do almost what appeared to be exactly the opposite, mm-hmm. which made me kind of question, like, what's happening here? Am yeah. I being lied to? And then also this kind of caretaking of people that I didn't see as being worth your time and attention, certainly right. not worth my time and attention, mm-hmm. and again trying to enlist me in that, which was which was confusing. Yeah, and all of this caused also the sense of cognitive dissonance, which we mm-hmm. talked about before, because I understood you to be, and I believed you to be, as as you are, which is a loving, strong, confident, interesting, sexy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> compassionate could go on and on and (laughs) and yet here you were behaving in ways that didn't line up with that yeah right so we talked about the headdress incident in the second episode of the season the one on emotional development in terms of you addressing and learning to manage shame Mm -hmm. and i said a few things about how it was affecting me but to reiterate what i said then because it, it it goes very much with this theme of confusion over who you were and if I was being lied to that was very much the feeling during that incident because that you had engaged in this hurtful bigoted behavior and interaction online and I knew and I didn't understand you to be that person Mm -hmm. and you couldn't explain (laughs) yeah why it happened right in a way that allowed me to reconcile yeah especially the first conversation we had about it and and partially into the second one yeah just like there was a lot of i don't know or just who knows kind of responses to that yeah i don't know i did i mean initially it was you know it was jay's idea and she essentially made me do it and i'm like well that doesn't make sense you're growing up like you can't be made to do it and Mm -hmm. and that kind of exploded out as i learned more about the type of person jay was Mm -hmm. right that exploded out to are you the type of person that's in a relationship with that type of person? Right. Like, yeah. why were you in that relationship? Uh-huh. Yeah. Why was that acceptable? Why was all mm-hmm. of it acceptable? So it, so initially, there, and still, there's a lot of com- compassion for how she treated you, but she treated other people very badly as well. Yeah. And th- I didn't understand that. Like, mm-hmm. how did you let her be rude to parents? You saw her be abusive to her daughter. How mm-hmm. did you not speak up? Right. Because, again, I saw you as this strong, capable person, yeah. which you are, except when <laughs> those codependent behaviors are activated. Yeah. So there was this code, this cognitive dissonance that was that was hard to, to reconcile mm-hmm. between how you behaved in your authentic self when you felt safe. Yeah. 
and how you behaved as your codependent self when you felt under threat, which was pretty much all the time during those those two previous relationships. Right. And part of, I think, what has made, made it difficult for you also is that the behaviors, the authentic behaviors look similar to the inauthentic behaviors. Sure. So that can hurt also. This led to a lot of trust issues between yeah. the two of us. And yeah, in terms of Right. In terms of who am I talking to here? Which Brian is going to show up in any particular situation? Mm-hmm. Can I depend on you showing up right. when I really need you to, especially if an outside force that might seem more compelling than me is also present? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it became a regular thing where I would just easily divert my attention towards something, a person that didn't deserve it. And it was like, well, okay, is this just going to keep happening? Like, mm-hmm. And then it seems like the more we learned... And the more we got into this process, there were there kept being new reasons to to for that trust to be diminished. So it, it's almost like it got worse before it got better. Kind of. It's true yeah. because when I start to challenge you on the, on these behaviors, yeah, and then you would go into shame yeah. spiral, right? And you would, as we say, kind of shame vent, which is say something maybe inappropriate or further confusing the situation. Yeah. At really bad times mm-hmm. and, you know, just uh, completely... Just making things up right, <laughs> to try right. to explain things and the uh-huh. things you made up actually would make it worse. And, yep, yep. But the turnaround for me, mm-hmm. what's similar to the turnaround for you, is when we found this language yeah. that described the phenomena of codependency, especially then pairing it with narcissism. Yeah, yeah. It was a very early discovery that kind of set stage for a lot of this realization it was very very helpful to me to have that framework to understand your behavior Mm -hmm. and to be able to at least start to appreciate this Jekyll and Hyde phenomena right what was causing it what was at the root of it and that the codependent behaviors were not in fact a reflection of your true self right and the comparison is made and we've used it to drug or alcohol addiction yeah sure i think that people who have friends or family or loved ones who engage in codependent behaviors can suffer in similar ways as people who are addicted to drug and alcohol yeah right where we see the person making these choices to engage in behaviors that we know are destructive to them Mm -hmm. that are destructive to their families and their friends the relationships although even when we understand why they're doing that is because of this addiction or habituated behavior. It can it can still hurt. It's, yeah. it's very frustrating. Yeah, oh, especially when person the, the person practicing the codependent behaviors also has learned some things about it and and now is kind of almost knowingly engaging these behaviors. Yes, that would be extremely frustrated. But that wasn't really our experience. Fortunately, is once we got this framework, you really put your mind to understanding what yeah. those behaviors were. That's when you started, as we talked about before, this writing process. When you yeah. went back to and trying to figure out what the origins of all these behaviors were. Yeah, and it kept kind of being this like layers of the onion. Oh, actually, I have emotional dysregulation. So, and then open up that whole topic of, of oh, yes, that's part of the, the puzzle is that I had trouble expressing emotions. Well, I think I still have that problem. So mm-hmm. it was like things that I'm having to deal with while learning about these things. And then now another layer, another trust issue is like, is this 
am I really being honest about my feelings? Do I know what I'm feeling? You know, it, and am I being honest about my wants and my desires? Do I have boundaries? You know, all these things that are coming up, like interest, good questions. <laughs> mm -hmm. And th these are going to cause new, new sources of, of trust issues until we actually iron this out and figure out. Yeah. So similar to addiction, you know, there was a lot of concern in the early days. Are you just telling me what yeah. you think I want to hear? And, right. and you're going over here and feeding your <laughs> codependent right. habits right. over here. Or yeah. What if you're in a situation where all your codependent behaviors are activated? Are you mm -hmm. just going to fall back into that way of behaving? Right. So it took a while for both of us to kind of trust in your quote unquote sobriety. Mm-hmm. In terms of in terms of codependency, and it's not like you never get activated anymore, yeah. but you know what is happening when it happens to you. Yeah, exactly. I have a pretty good sense. We're able to communicate it happening in real time, mm -hmm. and so you do not fall back on your habitual codependent behavior. Yeah, it's just very much anymore. The stuff we were talking about in the previous episode, there are so many of these little kind of smaller scale habituated things like the bad language and things like that, that mm -hmm. sort of keep certain things going that, you know, I'm always trying to monitor. Both of us are monitoring, you know, that just always striving for to be better, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And one thing that was tricky for me, especially in those early times when we were we were at least armed with this language of codependency and narcissism. Those were both powerful tools to help us understand what was happening to us and between us and what had happened to you previously and how to reconcile all of those pieces together. Mm -hmm. it, but it was still difficult for me to know how much I could push. Yeah, right. Uh, because I didn't want to push you into back into codependency, essentially. Yeah. I didn't want to you needed to feel safe. And as we talked about in the first episode of season one, you really struggled still to keep yourself safe. Yeah, right. Actually safe, not this mm -hmm. fake codependent safe. <laughs> yeah, so the way you always kept yourself safe is to tend to or caretake whatever person's in the room. Yeah. And very often the person left standing in the room would be a person who wanted to be taken care of. Yeah, exactly. A narcissist or a disordered person. So you didn't really have the, the skills just to keep yourself safe in a, in a relationship without without doing that. So I certainly, mm -hmm. I didn't want to violate that sense of safety that you have. But I also wanted and needed you to take responsibility for your behavior. Yeah. It couldn't all be... The codependency made me do it. Right. Or this other person made me do it or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it became clear what this, this, this habituated powerlessness started mm -hmm. to become clear because that was not something we really talked about much in the earlier days. Mm -hmm. But you need, I need, I want a partner who's an equal and who mm -hmm. is capable of intimacy. And in order yeah. to be intimacy, you need to feel secure in yourself and feel capable of keeping yourself safe so you can be vulnerable to another person. And yeah. you need to be capable of understanding your own behaviors, explaining them and take responsibility for them. Yeah. So we, that was a, a difficult period to kind of negotiate mm -hmm. me asking you to take responsibility for your behaviors without you 
collapsing into shame. Yeah, I mean that was a very common occurrence in in the earlier days. Was was just so many conversations got interrupted or got interrupted or ended with me just going into a shame spiral, and then we had to stop talking about something and and then hopefully pick up the next day or a couple days. You know, just a lot of like unresolved conversations especially in the really early days like just kind of like i can't talk about that or we already talked about this i thought we sorted this out already you know just Mm -hmm. like kind of no i can't go through this conversation again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so to kind of sum up (laughs) it can be challenging yeah to love someone engaged in this behavior as i said at the beginning i feel very lucky that i never was in a situation that caused me to develop codependent habits yeah. So I'll take that over. <laughs> I'll take loving a codependent <laughs> over being a codependent sure, for sure, yeah. because, you know, seeing how you struggled and the effect it's had on your life. And really that your commitment to understanding what happened to you and to understanding yourself and working through that, even when it was tough, even when I felt hurt or sidelined or rejected, yeah. seeing that commitment from you has really... Mm-hmm. made a huge difference in our relationship and it made me very proud of the work that you've done yeah yeah thank you <laughs> and i'm i'm super duper glad that i did too for both of our sake and for our relationship's sake and and it never felt as though you were trying to change me it, like some kind of like you were being codependent or something mm-hmm. you know it's just i feel as though all along you saw that authentic side and you, because it was there and mm-hmm. you recognized it and you, it was just like, okay, it kind of became this, what do we need to do to clear away the stuff that's getting in the way of the authentic side? And so that's exactly what you did and what we did. Yeah. We put a stake through Hyde's heart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jekyll is the last man standing. Right. So we're going to transition at this point to season three, which is going to be kind of a deeper dive into some of these topics Mm -hmm. that have come up throughout both seasons. We're going to shift the focus a little away from you and start talking about those phenomenons and our ideas about those phenomenons more broadly. And so we're going to start this season with a discussion on this subject of boundaries. Since it's such a prevalent term nowadays when talking about relationships broadly and then codependent relationships in particular. Yeah. And I think it can be a difficult thing to really grasp, you know, like so many of these terms, like what it really means, what's at the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we hope you join us for that episode. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook by searching codependent mind. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we would appreciate you leaving a comment or a rating or a review on whatever platform you listen to. Mm-hmm.